1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're picking up where we left off last night. We are talking about the love of money. Our topic is mastering money. Either money will master you or you will master money. Last evening we said we need to get so saturated with the Word of God, we become like Abraham in Romans 4.21, and we become fully persuaded that the Word of God is true and that what the Word of God says about us is true. And we were talking about how we need to go by what the Word of God actually says and not go by our own prejudices or by the theories, ideas, or opinions of other people. For example, the Bible actually says in Deuteronomy 28.8, the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Shout it out loud, the Lord commands the blessing. The Lord commands and the Bible actually says in 2 Corinthians 9.10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Say it out loud, it is the will of God, will that, God. I that I have a store of seed for God to increase. God increase. Now, now, I mean, this is what the Bible says. We're just going by what the Bible says. And so you've got to set your prejudices and theories and ideas and opinions aside. And Jesus actually said in Matthew 25, 29, for everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And that whole parable there was about being a good steward. Say it out loud. Everyone who has will be given more. And the Bible actually says in Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Say it out loud. It is the will of God that I leave an inheritance not only for my children, but for my children's children. And the Bible actually says in Isaiah 119, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Say it out loud. If I'm willing and if I'm obedient, I will eat the good of the land. 
You know, Sue and I were talking while we were getting dressed about some folks who live in some towns and the best they have is such and such a fast food chain. And I was saying, well, the last time I ate there was after we went to Dallas to hear Joel Osteen speak and we came back and we only thing left open was that fast food place and I gained about six pounds off a cheeseburger. <laughs> and she said, forget that. She said, I had some kind of salad and gained whatever, four or five pounds off a salad. Well, that's not, that's not eating the good of the land. That's, what, that's eating what truckers eat, God bless them, at 11 o'clock at night when everything's closed, amen? But that is not the good of the land, amen? Say it again, if I'm willing, and if I'm obedient, I will eat the good of the land. And then in the Living Bible, the Bible actually says, if you will only let me help you, if you will only obey God talking to you, if you will only let me help you, if you will only obey, I will make you rich. Shout it out loud five times, Lord, I'm willing. Because you understand, the Lord doesn't make any of us do anything. You do understand that, right? Say it out loud. Tell your neighbor, the Lord, the Lord doesn't make any of us do anything. So we have to be willing. And I want you to be fully persuaded that God is a good God and that his heart toward you is 3 John 2, beloved. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Say it out loud. God is a good God. And he wants me to prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. And then the Bible actually says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all time, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Amen. Shout out loud five times. God is able. So I want you to be fully persuaded that God is a good God. And then we went to 1 Timothy 6, look at verse, verses 6 and 7. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can, we can take nothing out of it. And we left off last evening talking about how that you are nothing but a steward over the money that crosses your hands in this life. And when you cross over from this life, whether to heaven or hell, you will not take anything with you from this life unless you are born again and you have sent treasures on up ahead of you for your time in heaven. Verse 9, 1 Timothy 6, 9, people who want to get rich, the Greek word there actually says crave. People who crave to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Now, I've taught the same thing all these years. I teach faith on two rails. A lot of people teach faith on one rail, and all they teach is faith, 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 believe it, name it, claim it, faith. Well, 37 and a half years, we have taught faith, we have taught faith on two rails. We teach faith, but right alongside it, we teach character. Because if you don't have good character, even if you become wealthy, you're, how can you enjoy your wealth if all your wives divorce you and take 50% each? How are you going to enjoy your wealth if you land in prison? So it, what good does it do to have faith 
if we don't have corresponding actions and we don't have good character to go along with our faith. So people who crave to get rich, even Christian people who crave to get rich, they fall into ruin and destruction. So don't just live for yourself and don't just live to get rich for yourself. Can't you see there's a difference between wanting to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to your family versus craving to get rich? Can't you see there's a difference between wanting to be blessed so you can be a blessing to God's work and God's mission and God's house versus just craving to get rich? And then 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money. You hear people say, well, you know what the Bible says, money's the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. Tell your neighbor, we're going to go by what the Word actually does say. 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And we thought we knew what that meant heretofore, but I think we've all been astounded at 2020 and 2021. We had no idea what they would do for money. We had no idea. We had no idea what they would do for money. Not just money, but to control other human beings. Let me tell you what. When, when one human being seeks to control another human being, that's evil and that's wicked. Amen. And that's why here at Faith Christian Center, we don't have any faith police. We're not running around the church trying to police stuff. We're not trying to control anybody. When, when you go to a church and they're trying to control, you know, the length of women's skirts and the length, why is it always about the women and, and the, the length of women's hairs, you know, hair, you know what they ought to do instead of doing that, instead of measuring the length of women's skirts and measuring the length of women's hair, they ought to measure the bellies of the men. You, you could do some righteous work right there, I'll tell you that, amen, because you'd find out who was drinking. 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not just evil, all kinds of evil. Some people, some people, say it, tell your neighbor, some people, some people eager for money, tell the other neighbor, eager for money. Eager for money. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. They have shipwrecked their lives and pierced themselves with many griefs. So not money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now look down to verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now let me ask you this question again this evening. If there wasn't supposed to be any rich people in church, why would Paul write, to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. So, of course, Paul expected there to be rich people in church. Can you say amen? amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? And notice the second part of that verse, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Say it out loud. Our wonderful glorious, gracious, good, heavenly Father provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Amen. So we have to get our minds right on money, and we have to start taking action on the Word of God right where we are. 
Don't be a person who says, when, when my ship comes in, I'll start tithing. Those people never have anything the entirety of their lives. Now, this is why Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 8, 12, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So there's nowhere in the Bible where you are taught to give what you don't have. Although I gave the illustration last evening and maybe other evenings besides last evening that the Lord can challenge us to give what we don't have, but it will be a faith project. He's not going to come along and tell you to give a billion dollars when you have three, three nickels. Amen. But if you have three nickels, he might challenge you to give ten nickels, and then he'll give you a plan on how to get and give the ten nickels. The Lord understands where we are. Amen. And the Lord may stretch our faith, but he's not going to shipwreck us. Last evening we talked about how he is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not lack. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me into the green pastures. He's not going to lead me in the ditch. Amen. Amen. You can't give what you don't have. But don't get caught up in the I'll tithe when I have enough to tithe circle of defeat. And don't get caught up in the I'll save money when I have enough money to save circle of defeat. The Lord told me to save something every seven days, even if it was just $5. Just get in the habit, a small habit. Even if you start small, get in the habit of saving something every seven days. Don't spend everything that crosses your hands. And God's people, you see, have, they seem to have trouble getting started. You know, whether it's a diet or whether it's saving money or tithing money or giving offerings as led by the Holy Spirit, you have got to start. If you don't start, you can't get there. Positive change will not come into your life until you begin to take action on the Word of God. Tell your neighbor, you got to start. Tell the neighbor on the other side, you've got to start. Because James taught in James 1.22, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If somebody says every day of their life, I'm going to start a diet tomorrow, they're deceiving their own self. If somebody spends their whole life saying, I'm going to start tithing next week, they're deceiving their own self. Somebody says, I'm going to get saved tomorrow, and they do that every day of their life, they're deceiving their own self. So wherever you are in life, you've got to start. Let's go back to 1 Timothy 6, verse, verse 17 again. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So now we have new information. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous to share in this way. In this way, Now here Paul says exactly what Jesus taught when he was on planet earth. Verse 19, in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So now can you see that Paul is teaching exactly what Jesus taught in Matthew 6 and elsewhere? In this way they will lay up for themselves 
Treasures in heaven, Jesus said, Matthew 6, 20, 21, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you'll get this, you'll be on your way. God's system of economics was designed to fund his mission, his work, and his house, and not cost his people anything. But God's people haven't seen it, they haven't believed it, they haven't confessed it, they haven't taken action on it, they have not worked it. But we are waking up, Amen. say it out loud, we are waking up, Amen. and we are going to work it. Amen? Amen? And Paul said, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, the love of money. So you can be a rich person and love money, or you could be a poor person and love money, or you could be a rich person and not love money, or you could be a poor person and not love money. It's not about the amount of money, it's about the heart. And this is why Jesus said, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's why people have to keep going back to the beer joint, because that's where their treasure is. That's why people have to keep going to Vegas, because that's where their treasure is. That's why men have to keep going to see the girlfriend on the side, outside of their marriage, because that's where their treasure is. Don't shout me down now just because I'm preaching real good. That's why people have to go keep seeing their drug dealer because that's where their treasure is. Amen? But if you will give into the work of God, you'll keep coming to church because that's where your treasure is. Amen? Money is not evil. Money built this church. Money and hard work built Faith Christian Center. And money and hard work built St. Paul's Preparatory Academy. So money is not evil. It's the love of money that is evil. And you don't have to have a lot of it to love it. In fact, it's been my experience that it's actually more likely for poor people to love money than rich people to love money. If you're not careful, the message you send God when you don't tithe is you love money so much you won't give him one thin dime out of every dollar that crosses your hands. You love money so much you won't give God one thin dime out of every dollar that crosses your hand. God lets you keep nine dimes out of every dollar. He says, just give me that first dime. Just let me have that first thin dime so you will keep me first in your life. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. But in my 48 years of preaching the gospel, I've come across thousands of God's people who said no, 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 and they clenched their fist around that first thin dime and said, no, God, you cannot have my first thin dime. You can't have this first thin dime, God. I know you gave me life. I know you gave me a family. I know you gave me a job. I know the earth is yours. I know the gold is yours. The silver is yours. The cattle on a thousand hills is yours. I know that you put the breath of life inside of my lungs. But I say, no, 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 no. You cannot have the first thin dime out of every dollar. And I have faced them by the thousands for 48 years. That's the love of money. I said, that's the love of money. I said, that's the love of money. When we tithe, we break the power of covetousness off us. You know, I, I, all you got to do is look this stuff up. When these people run for office, you can look it up. All those liberals, you know, those commies. 
Oh, my gosh. I could name names. Oh, my gosh, the former bartenders. You know, the, the guy that has been in public service his whole life, but he owns three homes. All those people, they don't give anything. They are the cheapest skin flints. It's not about being generous. It's not about helping people. It is a spirit. It is a spirit of covetousness. They want to do do-gooderism with your money. They don't want to do do-gooderism with their money. Are you hearing me? But when you give God that first thin dime out of every dollar, you break the spirit of covetousness off of your life. It's not, love, it's not money that destroys people. It is the love of money that destroys people. It's the love of money that even destroys God's people. I said it's the love of money that even destroys God's people. The reason this is so important, friends, is we handle money every day. And we need money every day. This is something we handle every day. So we have to get our heart right on money. And we got to get our minds right. On Sunday and Monday evenings, we dealt with the woman who anointed Jesus for his death and burial with the very expensive perfume. And that gift and that perfume was worth a year's wages. Jesus was getting ready to go through the trial, the whippings, the torture, the crucifixion and the death. And all the while... The beautiful aroma of that woman's gift was on him all the way through to the cross. And Jesus said in Mark 14, 6, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Now, the New King James says, Assuredly, in verse 9, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Now notice in contrast to this woman's memorial, the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit prompted Peter to remember and dictate to Mark in Mark 14 10, then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. And when did Jesus go to the chief priest to betray the Son of Man? When envy and jealousy and covetousness manifested themselves in his life, precipitated by this woman's gift. Verse 11, they were delighted to hear this and promised to give him what? Money. money. Lousy, stinking money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. So what was it really all about? The money. The religious leaders promised Judas what? Money. It was about what? Money. Same event, same story, two different people, two different heart attitudes toward money, and one got an eternal memorial, and the other got an eternity in hell. So don't tell me money isn't important, and don't tell me that our heart attitude toward money doesn't matter. 
Judas entered into a promise with him to hand Jesus over, and Judas entered into a covenant with them to hand Jesus over for 30 pieces of silver, the modern equivalent of about $760. Think of it, Judas has been in hell for more than 2,000 years for $760. Judas has been in hell for more than 2,000 years because he loved money. It was the love of money that shipwrecked his life. So don't tell me money isn't important, and don't tell me that our hard attitude toward money doesn't matter. In the light of eternity, what in the world does 30 pieces of silver mean? And in the light of eternity, what did our tithe in 1977 of $1,050 mean? Think about it. We went from giving $1,050 our first year of marriage to giving $826,000 our 44th year of marriage. And I'll tell you the truth about it, it was a whole lot easier <laughs> to give the $826,000 than it was to give the $1,050. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor you got to get your mind right on money. Tell the neighbor on the other side you got to get your mind right on money. Pastor, you're crazy. Are you telling me it was easier to give $826,000 than it was to give $1,050? Absolutely. Because if you haven't figured it out, when you give a tithe, and that was more than a tithe, of course, but when you give a tithe, 99 times whatever the tithe was is still at home. Yeah, but you know, the government takes a lot of it. Well, you know, you, you voted bubblehead into office, so, you know, you get, you get what you deserve. That's why you got to tithe on the gross, because you have to believe God that the whole thing won't come under a greater curse than it's already under already. Are you hearing me? Amen. And we are so blessed. We are so blessed. Stop complaining. We are so blessed because we have brothers and sisters around the world, and they live in countries where they cannot even write off their charitable giving. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. We can write that off and get part of it back. Hallelujah. 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 And we're so blessed. Amen. In Texas, we don't even have a state income tax. So, you know, stop your murmuring. Oh, you know, God will kill you. He'll kill you. He's a man of war, and he'll kill you. Read Numbers 12 and 13. He doesn't like complaining. Amen. Read the story of Achan. <laughs> if you don't want the Lord to come visit your tent... <laughs> well, maybe you ought not hide the Lord's gold under your tent. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, you got to get your heart right on money. Tell the neighbor on the other side, you got to get your heart right on money. Ask the neighbor, the first neighbor, can God trust you with more? Ask the other neighbor, can God trust you with more? 
Leviticus 27:30 says the tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. The tithe is holy to the Lord. And there's not been one man in the history of the world that kept the tithe. We find out in the Word of God that the tithe is devoted to destruction. So you either give the tithe or the Lord will see to it that the tithe is destroyed. But you, no man in the history of the world has ever held on to the tithe. Amen. So you may as well give it and get credit. Amen. 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 Yet the love of money caused Judas to betray Jesus. And for what? 30 pieces of silver. The modern equivalent, equivalent of about $760. So I'm telling you it's serious. I feel like I've carried a 50-pound military pack uphill for 48 years on this. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, there's no resistance to the Word of God and His requirements like there is on this right here. One thin dime out of every dollar. And I don't understand it, because even if you don't understand God's economics, and even if you're not a faith person, anybody who loves the Lord would be willing to give the Lord what the Lord says belongs to the Lord, and anybody who loves lost folk would be willing to give into God's work. Amen. 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 And we lost our country because of the disobedience of God's people. I said we lost our country, and it's worse than that. Now most of God's people won't even attend a church where they hear any word at all. Do you see it? Resisting the Word of God, what the Word of God says about the first thin dime out of every dollar has led to so-called a so-called Christian population in America that doesn't have ears to hear any Word of God at all, ever, anytime, anywhere. They don't want to hear it. They tell me on the fellowship atrium, I don't want to hear it. I say, God bless, you know, but I'm not changing. Yeah. I'm not moving. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm a pillar in the house of God, and I'm going to stand and declare the Word of God. Hallelujah. And I love the people of God, so I'm going to feed the people of God, and I'm going to tell them what the Lord requires. Yeah. And it's not a burden, because the Lord turns right around and blesses us. Yeah. Money. The love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. After the resurrection of Christ, the Bible records in Matthew 28, 5, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus. He was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Verse 11, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. Now watch it now. A whole new take on this. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. They reported on the earthquake. They reported on the angels. They reported on the resurrection of Jesus. They reported on the blinding light. They reported everything that had happened. Verse 12, when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan. Tell your neighbor they devised a plan. It almost sounds like, folks, you know, President Obama <coughs> put a moratorium 
on gain of function research. But somebody in the government decided to take $3 million of our tax money and send it to their communist Chinese buddies to do gain of function research in the country of our enemy. Tell your neighbor, I, I'm so glad I came to church tonight. I never thought I'd hear it. Pastor Gene actually just bragged on Obama. They had a plan. If you haven't figured it out, they had a plan, and the plan was about what? Money, 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 money. So after the guards told the chief priest everything that had happened, verse 12, when the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. Take this money and lie for us. Does that sound familiar? Take this money and lie for us. Does that sound familiar? This plan is not a new plan. This plan is an old plan. Verse 14, if this report gets to the governor, <coughs> we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So how many have not been saved over 2,000 years because of this lie? They teach this lie every Saturday to little Jewish children so that they will not believe Jesus was the Messiah risen from the dead. And it was all about money, lousy, stinking money. No telling how many people are in hell today because of that lie. The Jews bought it hook, line, and sinker and died lost. And how many since then have bought the lie and have died lost all because of money, lousy, stinking money? Are you listening to me? <clears throat> now go to Acts chapter 4, verse 36. Acts, 30, Acts 4, 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So this is the man who later became the traveling companion of Paul and was later himself called an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ alongside Paul in Acts 14, 14. What did Barnabas do? He sold a field he owned and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And then, you know, like now, you had posers and you had pretenders. Acts 5, kind of like folks who came to the stage and uh, on uh, Easter Sunday 2018 and said, I'll give this and I'll give that, and they haven't given a nickel of it since. Oh. 
That wasn't me. That was the Spirit of God. <laughs> Acts 5, verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife. Shout it out loud, together with his wife. You know, when I was a young man and naive, I used to think, man, that's a nice gal, but she's got a rascal husband, or I think, man, that's a nice guy, but he's got a rascal wife. I woke up one day and re figured it out, man. People are pulling in tandem one way or the other. They're in it together. Together with his wife, Sapphira also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet together with his wife. Verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land didn't it belong to you before it was sold? In other words, the, the issue was not that he kept part of the money. It was his land, it was his money. The problem is he pretended he was a Barnabas and he lied when he said he was given it all. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold wasn't the money at your disposal? Peter does not say the sin was not giving all the money. What made you think of doing such a thing? Have You have not lied to men but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. And I declare to you, before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are going to see people fall dead in the house of God. Because we are going to have a revisitation of the book of Acts before the coming of the Lord. It may be a year, it may be a month, it may be a week, I don't know, but we are going to once again walk in the book of Acts before the coming of the Lord. Peter said, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. Over what? Money. Lousy, stinking money. And I'm sure before Ananias lied to Peter, Satan lied to Ananias and told him how much more he needed that money than the work of God. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. Don't lie to God. Tell your neighbor, don't lie to God. Tell the neighbor on the other side, don't lie to God. So what happened here? God judged Ananias, and God required Ananias' life from him at that very moment. Now let me ask you a question. Would God kill a man just to send him to heaven? Let me ask you a question. Would God kill a man just to send him to heaven? So Ananias has been in hell for more than 2,000 years for lying about money. And people want to act like money doesn't matter. It does matter because we handle it every day. We need it every day. It is a central part of our lives. And Jesus himself taught that where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. That's why money's important. Amen. I mean, potato chips might not be important. Uh, the grass in your yard may not be important. You know, the, the, uh, how many holes are in your blue jeans may not be important. There's, there's all kinds of things that aren't important, but money's important because where your money is, there your heart will be also. Are you hearing me tonight, church? Think of it. Three hours went by. Think of it, three hours went by, and that New Testament church was so holy, 
word of what happened to Ananias had not even gotten to Sapphira yet. Three hours went by. Man, I'm telling you, in 2021, it'd be on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. And in 2021, forget about Sapphira knowing about it. In 2021, in three hours' time, there'd already be, there, there would have already been a lawsuit filed over it. Preacher kills parishioner. Anyway, three hours later, the Bible records in verse 7, about three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, this is the, that is the price. Peter said to her, how can you agree to test the, whole, the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried out, and buried her beside her husband. Now, again, let me ask you a question. Would God kill a woman just to send her to heaven? No, so Sapphira has spent 2,000 years in hell for lying about money and agreeing with her husband to lie about money. Women, don't agree to be the driver when your husband wants to be the bank robber. Sapphira died right there, and Sapphira went to hell right there, and over what? Money. Lousy, stinking money. The love of money. I said the love of money. We live right now in the darkest hour of human history. I never thought I would live to see churches around the world closed. We live right now in the closing days of this age, and we have been entrusted by the Lord Jesus Christ with the message of redemption that could save all of humanity. And I'll tell you what, it was no coincidence or accident that the internet was invented not by Al Gore but by others so that we could get the that's a joke so that we could get the gospel out to the entire world amen because people are locked down people are locked down people are locked down but if they have the internet we can get to them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and you and I have been called to do a job and I say we're going to do it you and I have been called to be faithful and I say we're going to be faithful instead of allowing money to master you you can learn how to master money by tying on to what is closest to God's heart and that is God's work and God's mission and God's house now I'm not saying you have to give every nickel every service I have never taught that we teach make the money tie the money save and invest the money sow the money and I have spent all of this week teaching you how you ought to be moving ahead financially, working God's plan. So don't go out of here and lie on me and say, you know, pastor says we ought to give everything to the church. That's a lie, and that's not what I teach. But I believe God is going to shake us here at Faith Christian Center, and I believe God's going to change our hearts, and rather than love the first dime, we're all going to be glad to give it. In fact, we're going to be glad to give it because we're going to discover that God will multiply those dimes. The people who need to hear this may not be here, but you're here, and you're hearing it. But that's exactly what Jesus said would happen, verse Matthew 25, 29, for unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Now let's go to Acts 24. Let me show you how another man died and went to hell because of money. Felix was one of the rulers. Paul was a prisoner. And at that point, Paul had been held prisoner for about two years. Acts 24, 24. After a certain, 
after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he, Paul, reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. Say it out loud. Felix trembled. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Drusilla, by the way, wasn't really Felix's wife. She was his brother's wife, and he just took her from his brother. And as Paul reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, the Bible says in the King James Version that Felix trembled. This old sinner Felix trembled when he heard the Apostle Paul speak about righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. This old rascal of a sinner trembled. But even though he trembled at Paul's message, Luke records in Acts 24-25, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Verse 26, he hoped also that Paul should have been given, he hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him or set him free. So Felix was hoping for a bribe. A bribe was more important to Felix than Paul's message of good news. So get this, church, and when was the last time you ever heard this preached in church? Paul must have had the money. I said Paul must have had the money. Because what government official would be looking for a bribe from somebody that ain't got no money? So Paul must have had the money. Isn't it interesting that Felix thought Paul had the money to pay a bribe? And the Bible records, wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him, but he never did tremble again. He was looking for money. He was looking for a bribe. But, and even though he called for Paul often and met with Paul often, communed with Paul often, he never trembled again. So thank God tonight if you're alarmed about your soul. Thank God tonight if you're alarmed tonight about eternity. Thank God tonight if you're alarmed about the judgment seat of Christ. If you are alarmed, you're on the right road. And if you are not alarmed with what's going on in 2021, then you are on the wrong road or you have made yourself callous to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. My friends in Christ, don't allow yourself to ever get to the place where you are not alarmed. How many today are dying and going to hell because they have their hand out looking for a bribe? How many are going to be in hell over what has been done to our country in 2020 and 2021? How many today in Washington, D.C. are headed to hell because they have their hand out looking for a bribe? How many government technocrats and big pharma executives today are headed to hell because they lied and mislied the public on a virus so they could get some money? Lousy, stinking money. Can you see it? Nothing's really changed. It's the same as it was back in Felix's day. It's all about money. Lousy, stinking money. It's not money that is the root of all evil. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. 
Now contrast that with the Apostle Paul's speech and heart in Acts 20, verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. <clears throat> when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every spirit, in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task. The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you that I am innocent of the blood of all men. How many of these famous government doctors can say they're innocent of the blood of all men? For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, these shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. And in 37 and a half years, we've seen it over and over and over. Savage wolves come in. They do their best to draw people away to become their disciples, not disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, but their disciples. Verse 31, so be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning you, each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance along with all those who are sanctified and here it is, verse 33, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. Listen to what the apostle says. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. It reminds me of what Moses said when that rabble came to him, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and they said, Moses, you and Aaron and the Levite and the, the priesthood you have gone too far, we're all just as holy as you are. And Moses told them, I have not taken as much as a chicken or a goat from any of you. And then he went to the Lord about it. And when a man of God goes to the Lord about a disagreement, that's when all hell is about to break loose. And Paul says, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. And you know what we read where Felix thought he had the money to pay a bribe? You know what? That's why you got these preachers, you know, and they always got their hand in your pocket because they got no silver or gold. Man, I'm telling you what, thank God I came across word of faith, fathers in the faith. Hallelujah. 
part of not even being tempted to covet anyone's silver or gold is we got our own silver or gold. We got our own cars. Amen. We got our own stuff. Amen. We're not trying to get your stuff to become our stuff. Amen. I never bowed my knee for money. I never compromised the gospel for money. I never wrote letters with lies in them for money. Paul is saying, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. Paul lived a life free from the love of money. But he had money because Felix was looking for a bribe. And Sue and I have lived a life free from the love of money, and yet money has just come to us. Can you see how it works? We have lived a life free of the love of money, but the Lord has rained money down on us. Can you see how it works? Paul wrote in Philippians 4.18, I am amply supplied. He coveted no man's gold, silver, or clothing, but Paul writes, I am amply supplied. Can you see how this works? I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing, and yet Paul reported, I am amply supplied. Gene and Sue have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing, and yet Gene and Sue can say, we are amply supplied. Now, when you start obeying God with money, you may do without for a little while because the laws of faith operate according to the laws of seed time and harvest. So when you start out, you might have to reprioritize your budget. When you start out, you might have to cut back on your spending and stop buying everything in a little BDIC online. When you start tithing, you might have to reprioritize your budget. When you start tithing, you might have to cut back on your spending. But it won't take long for the blessing of the Lord to overtake you. I thought I said it won't take long for the blessing of the Lord to overtake you. Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. It's hard for this immediate gratification generation to obey God on money. It's hard for this immediate gratification generation to obey God on tithing. And this is why so many of God's people are living under the curse in 2021 when they could be living under the blessing of God in 2021. This generation has completely lost sight of deferred gratification. This is why this generation not only doesn't like tithing, they don't like saving money. Now let me show you a non-Jewish man. God went out of his way to get saved because the man was right about money. Let's go to Acts 10, verse 1. Acts 10, 1 is Caesarea. There was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. So he wasn't a Jew. He was a foreigner. He was an Italian. He was not of the tribe. He was a, a man hated because he was part of an occupational army. Verse 2, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. And there we see that word again, memorial. Cornelius was a centurion in the occupying Roman army. Cornelius was not a Jew. Cornelius was an Italian, a foreigner in the army occupying the Holy Land. 
But even so, Cornelius was devout and God-fearing, and Cornelius prayed to God. But notice it does not say that Cornelius had heard the gospel and become a Christian. In fact, we know Cornelius was not a Christian because Peter said in Acts 11:13, he, Cornelius, told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. But even though Cornelius was not saved, verse 2, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Wow. So for a sinner, he sure outdid a lot of believers in 2021. Does God know when you give? Does not God know what you give? Does God know when you pray? Does God know what you pray? This man, Cornelius, wasn't even in covenant with God. He was a lost man, but he was a good man, but he was lost. So we might say he was a religious man, but religion won't cut it because Jesus said in John 3, 7, you must be born again. Hallelujah. But even though Cornelius was an unsaved man, in Acts 10:4, the angel said to Cornelius, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial before God. So here's a lost man. And the angel says, I've been sent by the very throne of God, and do you know what brought me here? Your giving and your prayers. And not only that, but your giving and your prayers are going to bring one of the greatest apostles on the face of the earth to your door, Peter, and your giving and your prayers are going to bring one of the greatest gifts God ever gave mankind, the gift of the Holy Spirit, to your family. Your giving and your prayers are going to bring Peter and salvation and the baptism in the Holy Ghost to you and to your whole family. Your giving is a memorial before God. That means it is a living thing before God, and it will never pass from the memory of God. God is forever conscious of what you have put into his work and his mission and his house. This is the one, one of the reasons we here at Faith Christian Center have managed to walk in the blessing of the Lord in 2020 and 2021 while this old dark world out here has been walking in a curse. We here at Faith Christian Center have been walking in the blessing of the Lord. We have been walking in the protection of the Lord. We have been walking in the prosperity of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I'm laughing at. It's private info. The Lord is speaking to me. Hallelujah. For a gift of only $10,000. <laughs> Our giving 
I'm being facetious. Our giving into God's work and God's mission and God's house has gone up as a memorial to the Lord. And I believe not only that, I believe our giving and our prayers have not only gone up as a memorial before the Lord, but I believe they have created a hedge of protection round about us. And they have created an umbrella of protection round about us and hell and demons and Satan and nobody is going to get to us through that hedge of protection or through that umbrella hallelujah shout it out loud five times we are blessed of the Lord I'm here to tell you tonight you've done a good job in 2020 I'm here to tell you tonight You've done a good job in 2021. I'm here to tell you tonight, God is a good God, and something good is going to happen to you. Can you give the Lord a shout of victory? Because your giving is an aroma in the presence of God. I'm telling you what, the Lord looks down from the throne of thrones and he looks down and he sees the abortion clinics and he sees what's going on in the schools and he sees what's going on in the corporations and he sees what's going on in the halls of government and it is a stench in the nostrils of almighty God but when God looks down at US Highway 287 and Eden Road there is a sweet fragrance that rises to the nostrils of God. Like that woman broke open that alabaster box of expensive perfume. And the Lord is reminded there's a bunch down there in Arlington, Texas. And they have believed the good report. And they have taken action on the good report. And they have not just been saved, but they have been discipled, and they are doers of the Word of God. Can I get a shout of victory in this house tonight? Listen to me, heaven knows, knew about this man's giving, and heaven knows about your giving. Jesus is the high priest of our faith, and Jesus is the high priest of our tithes. And so Jesus knows how much you're giving into his work and how much you're giving toward him receiving the reward of his suffering. As I write these words on Wednesday afternoon, February 10, 2021, I am so humble because when we started out, it seemed like our giving cost us something. But after 45 married years of tithing, and walking up those levels of financial prosperity, following the prosperity plan of God, even though we are right now giving staggering sums into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am humbled because the prosperity plan of God works so good. It seems to me like every year the cost goes down and down and down, even though the numbers go up and up and up we have seen what God has done and it is wonderful in our eyes 
Psalm 126, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Brothers and sisters in Christ, your children are going to be clothed. Your cupboards are going to be full. Your children are going to have enough to eat. Sickness is not going to come to your home. Psalm 37, 25, I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children are blessed. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.